Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Heaps fans, football fans, podcast fans alike, welcome aboard. I'm Jordan Foote, and this is the Rough and the Kicker podcast, the Kansas City Chiefs podcast in association with Arrowhead Report. As always, I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Thanks for making us a part of your Wednesday. And with that said, let's jump into today's show. Got Connor Christofferson here with me. We're going to do a Rough in the Mailbag. Lots of good questions this week. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor with an E underscore DKC. Connor, how's it going, man? It's going great on a nice October afternoon. Um, I know in my real life, I got a new job offer today. So that's Hell something. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, we we have news later in the podcast, but I think we wanted to do mailbag first. So um, I don't have anything new other than that. Yeah. No, I also have something new um, that's kind of <laughs> job related. But again, we'll, we'll chat at the end of the pod. Most people that listen probably already know what that is. Um, with that said, I guess let's just jump in, man. Our, our first question comes from Pat, good friend of the pod. Which position do you think is a higher priority for a potential trade, defensive end or wide receiver? Um, I interpreted this as in season this season train mm. is that what you took it as too sure let's say i took it as that i can okay. also talk about that too but um in season do you think first of all do you think they would even do an in-season trade I, I think they would do it to some degree but not like a so my thought was looking at next year's free agent class which yeah. position looks worse and like there's playmakers at both but I do think they'd make one a la um, Melvin Ingram, but not like anything bigger than that, if that makes sense. And I don't think they have quite as big of a need right now. I think yeah. the excuse this year is going to be, oh, we're still letting our wideouts gel together, blah, 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 10 weeks into the year when the deadline is. So on one hand, no. On one hand, yes, but a minor move. And like my logic, next year's defensive end class has Marcus Davenport, J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, Arden Key, Dante Fowler, um, Samson Abukum, a couple Ugh. other guys. Not not particularly swell. Um, and then wide out, Nelson Aguilar, DJ Chark, Sterling Shepard, Juju McColl, both Chiefs, um, Zach Pascal. So <laughs> neither one is particularly <laughs> rich. Um, so in terms of higher priority, basically Pat's asking in a vacuum which position needs more help. Yeah. And I think because of the new bodies, I'm not going to go wide receiver. I would lean defensive end, I guess. I would too. I also think it's still more important than wide receiver that we're seeing a resurgence in wide receiver priority in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I guess it really comes down to, will the Chiefs be able to stomach having MVS and Sky Moore as the only returning wide receivers next year. I think that room still needs an alpha. I think Sky Moore is like a perfect wide receiver too for an mm -hmm. offense. Um, 
and they should use them more as that right now. But they don't like we saw all these teams go out and get the alpha. We saw, of course, Tyreek Hill get traded for. We saw AJ Brown get traded for, and we saw Devontae Adams get traded for. I I just really think with Travis Kelsey entering his uh elder years, they need somebody who can younger, so it wouldn't be a Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams like thing. But if like an AJ Brown type wide receiver is available on the trade market, they should I think they should consider getting him. I don't know who is on the market at edge. Um, it feels like that market is not as robust as the wide receiver market was, at least from last offseason. So I would assume they would want to get a defensive end more, but I think there's more realistic possibilities to get a wide receiver. Speaking of wide receiver, Pat's bonus question, Odell Beckham Jr. to Kansas City. Connor, immediate thoughts on that? I'm going to decline um, because... It's off the ACL tear. You don't know what he's looking like two years or two ACL tears um, in his career now. Uh, Also, I think there's just too many concepts for wide receivers in the Chiefs offense for him to come in and make the same impact he did like for the Rams last year. He just has too much to learn in the middle of the season. Um, And I, I even from what we've seen from the wide receiver group, I think they'll be fine enough to where it just doesn't make sense to sign him. So I think I'll pass what you yeah, would say. And, yes. And he's a Ram, sadly. Um, so it's not even up. Didn't to he, no. he visited with the giants, didn't he? <laughs> he's visited with everybody. And like, part of it's been unofficial. Like I'm just at the game, but part of it's also like I'm planning seats. I think he's trying to make the Rams, like keep him in their mind. I also don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I think he's a Ram or a bill. I don't think he goes anywhere else. Yeah. Um, with that said, I agree with everything you said about it's going to take a while for the wideout, um, any wideout to learn the Chiefs offense and he's coming off the ACL tear. In another offense, I do think he showed last year, he looked really good. Like not prime Odell, but like yeah. pretty damn good as a really, really good number two wideout. Um, we talked about the importance of the secondary wide receiver. You touched on that a little bit. In a vacuum, yeah, it makes sense. But then there's too many outside uh, factors I think that come into play like if this was in the off season and he was coming off an ACL tear but was going to be healthy for week one then you think about it now what five weeks into the year he's still not 100% he's still not signing anywhere it's going to be a while um, the Chiefs don't have if they had veterans everywhere else then yeah maybe but everyone else is trying to learn the system too really outside of Hardman who might still be learning some stuff anyway <laughs> Um, so I'm going to have to decline Odell, even though like that's not an indictment on him. It's just an indictment on kind of the the uh, context of that situation, I think. Yeah, I think he's a Ram. They're just waiting. I hope so. Though I don't know. After he's seeing how they played. All the way, but, yeah. After seeing how they played, will he really want to sign on for that? <laughs> he might be the savior. Like He might have that kind of that savior complex, but like I can fix this. I thought they brought in Allen Robinson to help Jordan. Dude, so I, this is not a Rams podcast, even though I'd like it to be. But part of me thinks, and I do believe that part of it's on Sean McVay. For, he called some really weird games so far this year, and Stafford has not been good by any stretch of the imagination. I, I need to watch 
the alternate angle of a rub's film but like he doesn't seem to have it anymore like i'm not convinced that he's cooked but like he's in the oven and the oven's preheated i think so he's pre-washed he's in the dishwasher yeah he's in there and it just hasn't started running yet but like the minute it presses that button it's going to be washed so like he just is taking so long to separate and sometimes he just can't cooper cup was routing people up obviously cooper cup's like a top two three wide receiver in the tyler higby had 14 targets yeah a rob (laughs) it's not all stafford and mcveigh's fault i promise it's not them it's also a rob just might not be that guy they need van jefferson back and they also need odell but then they also need no line (laughs) yes if you have cup odell van jefferson robinson higby cam Akers and a somewhat healthy offensive line and stafford playing better then you're kind of cooking with fire but like that's a lot so yeah. i don't know they're an enigma yeah another enigma legerious sneed or steve gray i mean however you want to to look at it mm. um steve's first question what is the max average annual value you would offer legerious sneed this offseason. Connor, you published an article last week, I believe, yep. on Legarius Sneed and how the Chiefs need to lock him up long term. Um, you made a really good point that I didn't even think of about if he is really exclusively this kind of slot guy that's getting paid to be that guy. The contracts there are few and far between, I think, for like a true premium type slot guy. Yeah. Um, but with that said, he has the size of an outside guy doesn't mean he's going to get paid like an outside guy. Like DK Metcalf isn't going to get paid like a tight end because he's a wide receiver. What would you be willing? You mentioned a couple guys and one that had a somewhat recent contract. Um, what would you be willing to pay Legarius Sneed on the open market? Considering he's more of a do-it-all type player than a couple of the slot guys I've signed recently, I would pay him a three-year, $40 million extension, which is a decent amount above other slot players, but it would be added on to the last year of his rookie deal. So you can spread out the signing bonus a bit that way. And uh, I think he's worth that because right now, LeJarrius Sneed leads the Chiefs in sacks. <laughs> like, and he's also an incredible run defender. And he's, the NFL's moving towards those bigger slots. Like we're seeing Devontae Adams play a lot from the slot. We're seeing Drake London plays from the slot. Kyle Pitts will play from the slot. Like these bigger wide receivers, Cooper Cup's 6'2", and he plays from the slot. Um, it doesn't matter if your cornerback's tall now in the slot and maybe not as agile as like a 5'9 guy. Um, as If they can handle those bigger wide receivers and they can blitz and they can run defend, that's like the premium, like modern nickelback. Um, and that's what Legereus Sneed is. So I'm willing to go above a lot of what those nickelbacks have made previously just because he is that prototype. Um, to make sure that they keep him. Because honestly, other than, um, we'll see what happens with Juan Thornhill, but other than Justin Reed, the Chiefs don't have any long-term lockdown cornerbacks, and they've never done that. But I think Legereus Sneed, especially because he's a Brett Veach um, draft pick too, I think Legereus Sneed might be the first um, guy who breaks the mold at cornerback where they actually do pay for him. Yeah, and I think it was Eric Eager who brought up the Chiefs drafting five defensive backs yeah, kind of excludes them from the they were outside I don't corners. Think, yeah, those were not mutually exclusive. I do think he could have made the argument, it was right there for the taking, Charvarius Ford, 
It's yeah. an example of them not doing it. Charvarius Ward's still playing pretty well. Like he's been a decent cornerback now for three years, better part of two or three years. Yep. Jarius Sneed, though, being a Brett Veach guy, being he just seems like a really good fit. He seems like a really good kid to kid. He's older than me, but still, um, the Chiefs. <laughs> I, I can think call he's him older kid. Than me. Yeah, exactly. So I think it does make sense for them to lock him up. Um, he is a very versatile piece. Steve Spagnuolo, like. We talked before the year, I think, if the Chiefs defense kind of sputtered and struggled, this might be the end of Spags with like a new uh, era of defensive players. Yeah, Spags is going to be there as long as he wants to be at this point. Like, because yeah. this is the best Spags season we've seen so far. And like, it should have been the worst because he had so many young guys and so many new players. Like, Maybe he's still he stubborn. Should play the young guys earlier some years. Yes. But yes. So, uh, Steve Spagnuolo's in his bag. Legereus Sneed should be in his bag and in about a year, less than a year, that bag is going to be pretty big. Like you look yeah. at, I was looking at cornerback contracts, a very imperfect science. Kendall Fuller's 10 million a year. DJ Reed's 11 million a year. Adoree Jackson is 13 million a year. I think Sneed, you said three for 40. That would be pretty much what I'd give him like 13 and a half million a year. You know what you're going to get? Like mm-hmm. he's not a, and this is obviously hard to predict, but not a player who gets paid and then starts to struggle. He doesn't have a huge injury history. He has good size. He can do a lot of different stuff. He also, if needed, and I'm not saying it would be, he can play on the outside and play adequately at worst, I think. The sample with him in the slot's obviously growing. Um, So you can do that. You can have Trent McDuffie long-term. You can have Jalen Watson long-term. Like, I, I get getting the most out of the cornerback position, but at a certain point, if everyone's on a rookie contract, pay one guy. Like, F it. Just go pay Legere Sneak because he's worth it Um, and is still young and is going to be there. Lock him up through age 28, 29, 27, whatever you want to do. Revisit it then. Maybe let him go Um, once you have somebody else in the fold. So I think from a Legere Sneed standpoint, three for 40, Probably like 15 million a year seems a little bit rich, but like 13 and a half or 14. I don't think the Chiefs should have um, a major issue with doing that for him. Yeah. And like I said, it's an extension because you, if the player is good enough, you don't wait till that last year exactly. for them to hit the market be, because Sneed's in the, the no-go zone where you wouldn't franchise tag them, but you also don't want to lose them. So those are the guys you actually sign after year three, which is when you can sign the players um, after their rookie deal. Um, That's the first eligible year you can sign them. So I I think they just need to lock up one of those guys. And LeJerry Sneed makes sense because the skill set is unique compared to the players they have right now. Traverius Ward was not. I think they were like, yeah, we can replace an outside cornerback because in Spagnuolo's system, outside corners are devalued in a way i know they took a first round cornerback but like they're not going to pay 15 million for Traverius ward um but i don't know if they can go find a do-it-all nickelbacker who can blitz who may be the best blitzing cornerback in the league um that feels a bit more difficult to find so they have that guy why don't you just lock him up another line of thinking of you already have that guy why don't you just lock him up that both of us have been kind of iffy on um chris jones and steve has a really good banger of a second question i have been of the belief that especially with the tyree kill thing even before the tyree kill thing 
Chris Jones would get traded this upcoming offseason. It, it just made sense. They can draft a guy um, or they can go after and pay somebody less than Chris Jones. But a premier interior defensive lineman is tough to come by. They can do the stuff Chris Jones can do against the pass. He has There's been like three players. Exactly. In the NFL. It's a very short list. Um, he's been phenomenal to start this season. Um, it's not like he has 10 sacks or anything, but he's still been really, really good from a just pure win per down standpoint. Um, Steve wants to know, with that in mind, what is the minimum trade comp you'd be willing to move him for rather than letting him play out the final year of his deal? Connor, is the most recent example the Buckner trade? Would that be the comp for it? Yep. And that was a pure mid first round pick. So for yeah. Jones, who I think when Buckner was traded, I think Jones next year has more of a value because he's more proven than when Buckner was traded. Buckner's still proven it since then. So, um, but I would want a first and like a third for Jones at a minimum. Um, because I mean, he's going to be 29 and that's pretty old, but I, it seems like teams don't have a, they're not that adverse to age around then. Um, I think he still would have three good years left um, in him at after this year. So I think a tr- team could value him like that. I, How do you feel about the Chiefs being the one to extend him, though? I think it, it's hard to compare him fully to other players, but, I mean, they had a guy like him who was elite at their position, at his position like Tyree Kill, and they let him go. However, I don't know if Jones is going to come at the Chiefs and with uh, aspirations. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tyree Kill had for his contract. So, like you see Aaron Donald, like you up that, like top that Brett Veach. Yeah. He's like, I don't see that. I don't think he's going to do that. So, it really depends on him and what he asks. Um, because I, the Chiefs had a number with Tyree Kill where he would have stayed. So, it it really depends on that with Jones and how he if he values himself, but a first and a third is what I would want in a trade. Um, definitely the first though. I I think the mid round pick I can live without, but when we see Buckner get traded for a mid first round pick, I think it was pick sixteen or somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get that for uh, Chris Jones, who is probably the second best interior pass rusher in the NFL. So Jones got four for eighty. Mm-hmm. Um, and his cap hit next year, this year it's 29 million. So like you weren't getting out of that next year, you can get out of it with 7 million and change in dead cap yeah. and something crazy. Um, $27 million cap hit. What would you be willing to give him on that next contract? Well, we'll probably have this conversation and message later on, but I figured just for the sake of the pod right now, week five in the 2022 season. Yeah. Um, I would give him like a three-year, $68 million extension maybe yeah. um, to add on top of that. Um, it would bump up above $20 million a year, um, but it would not get close to Donald money because nobody should. Um, but I don't think there was any... Like Buckner got 480 something as well. So there's not been really any market resetting at that position recently. So... I don't think he can ask for too much more. He can ask for a bit more because the cap's going up. But um, I would, I'd be willing to give him that, especially because the last few, the last year or so, that deal would be easy to get out of. 
and that he would still only be like 32, 33, which is usually how long interior defensive linemen last. Yeah. So Jonathan Allen signed when he was 26, four for 72. Vita Vea signed when he was 26, four for 71. Um, Buckner signed when he was 25, four for 84. So like I'd give Jones three for like 66, like you said, maybe 68, like 22, 23 max million dollars per year. Um, He, he should age relatively well, but he also is not a very healthy player. Generally, he's not completely injury prone, but part of that comes with, I think, getting beat the hell up with the lack of help on the inside or really on the defensive line in general. Um, But it's not to the point where like, man, Chris Jones is guaranteed to miss eight games a year or whatever. We can't pay him. I don't think it's quite that bad. So it's a risk and it's a calculated risk. Um, And even if you do get your first round pick and you do draft somebody not guaranteed to be Chris Jones at all. So I'm more open to it now than I was to begin the year. Part of that's just because conventional wisdom has kind of cracked me a little bit. Also, um, he's been really good so far. Yeah, I just, I don't know what the Chiefs will do. They've set a precedent with older players, um, especially if they can get value out of them in a trade. So the only one that hasn't set that is Travis Kelsey, and that's just Mm -hmm. because for some reason he's fine with being woefully underpaid. So um, that's the only example we've seen of them keeping a veteran for very long at a reasonable contract. So we'll see what Chris Jones uh once uh this offseason yeah he's a uh big part of the chiefs defense and he's a big part of a chiefs defense that has been pretty good so far and danielle mm-hmm. Soxie, her question is just how legit is the chiefs defense it seems legit to me um i'm going to credit somebody um matt verderam he he did kind of a mini thread on the chiefs defense i'm just going to read it verbatim um everybody's talking about how the chiefs defense Everyone's talking about the Chiefs defense right now, but a quick mini thread on the defense. Currently, gosh, I absolutely butchered that. Everybody's talking about the Chiefs offense right now, but a quick mini thread on the defense. Currently, the Chiefs defense is top six in sacks, pressures, pressure rate, quarterback knockdown rate, hurry rate, average depth of target and yards allowed. They're eighth in yards per play. Then he applied like the garbage time filter and like stripped that out. They are fifth in yards per play allowed. They are fifth in points per game allowed. They are seventh in yards per drive and 14th in points per drive. So like I think on the EPA chart, they finally slipped just below even. I think they're like minus 0.05 or some shit. Like it's nothing crazy. It's a lot of garbage Um, times with the Cardinals and Tampa game. But uh, I know that guys at uh, Football Outsiders who do DVOA say that you shouldn't truly discount garbage time because some of it is predictive. But it feels like Spags is just so, like, his prevent is, like, prevent, prevent. Um, I know Zach, friend of the show, Zach Eisen, uh, posted a a picture of one of their prevent defenses. It was, like, four guys, like, 20 yards deep. And I'm like, that's that's prevent for you. Spags was packing it in. <laughs> it's like, I'm he's done. Just, <laughs> we're, he didn't care. Yeah. Uh, I would say they are more legit than I expected. I'm still curious about the pass rush because I don't think a lot of this pressure is with four man fronts. It's been a lot of simulated pressure with blitzes. 
Um, as I said earlier, Legere Sneed's leading the team in sacks, which is kind of odd um, for a team that's so high in pressure rate and sacks that a cornerback would lead it. So I'm curious as the Chiefs play like the Bills and some of those offenses, what exactly will the defense look like? Will they be able to get pressure with four with Karloftis, Dunlap, and uh, Jones and Clark? Or will them bringing blitzes come back to bite them later in the year when teams are figuring out, hey, they can't pressure unless there's a blitz. Um, that might come back to bite them in the butt. I don't know. Um, I believe in the talent more this year, though, than the last few years. Um, the young players the Chiefs have are playing well. Um, when Willie Gay comes back, that'll be a big addition. When Trent McDuffie returns, that'll be a big addition. Um I believe in that talent and they've been showing off more and earlier than I thought they would. So that's good to see them ahead of schedule. I mean, they almost won that Colts game. It was a bit disappointing. They gave up the game winning drive, but they, they held the clamps on the Colts the whole game for the most part. So, and they played really well against the bucks. Um, They played really well against the chargers. I mean, some of these games I was expecting them to give up, 35 points and I know they gave up 31 to the Bucks, but that was with prevent so um, they're ahead of schedule legit I don't if legit is like top 10 I I still need to see more um, but I can believe they can be an average defense this year what's up guys thanks again for listening to today's show and taking some time to welcome roughing the kicker into your speakers and headphones we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsored programs and right after that We'll be right back. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. So right now, I think they are two tiers better than I thought they would be at the end of the year, which I think heading into the year, and I could be totally off on this, we thought like that 17 to 24 range and probably a little bit higher than that 24. We're like, if they're 21st or 22nd, that is relatively okay. end of year ranking exactly so yeah. I, I thought if they were 17 to 24 that wouldn't be the end of the world they're in that next tier of 11 to 16 or 11 to 17 or 11 to 18 whatever you want 12 to 18 maybe yeah. where right now at this very moment <clears throat> you could make a case for them being 9 10 11 12 at by the end of the year i think they settle in at like 14th or 15th which mm-hmm. You get Patrick Mahomes a top three offense or top five at the very worst if they sputter. Really top three. You give him a top 16 defense. That's the best defense he's ever had. Fairly comfortably, right? That's how good the defense was in the Super Bowl winning run. Um, Yes. They actually turned it on at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they were pretty high in DVOA too. I know. I think they were around 16th. So it's comparable to that that They caught fire. Right. Yeah. And then all three playoff games, you can make an argument yeah. the defense was a big factor in them winning. So if it's that good, I mean, they won a Super Bowl that year. So mm-hmm. that's, and I the mean, defense is a big part fortuitous. Of it. Yeah. And that's fortuitous. Um, we will have to see though, because it is a lot of young talent. Um, I think we saw a few cracks in some of the players, mm-hmm. like Jalen Watson was picked on a bit, but it was Mike Evans and Tom Brady. So you can give them a pass. But it's not like they're going to play easier teams in the playoffs. Is Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs going to go yeah. easy on Jalen Watson? Probably not. So those cracks might be their downfall, but we'll see how the young talent uh, responds to that. 
Yeah, and the thing with this year's Chiefs team is, like, their schedule isn't extremely backloaded. It was really front-loaded. Like, it's still tough all the way through, don't get me wrong, but, like, this shouldn't be a team that gets worse throughout the year. It should maintain or get better considering opponents. So, like, I think if the Chiefs even struggle against Buffalo and your takeaway through six weeks is, like, Chiefs have a top-half defense, it should still be top-half or at least middle of the pack the rest of the way. So I think to a degree, like you said, legit is in top 10. I don't think so. I haven't seen enough yet. Legit is in the best Mahomes has had outside of that like six to eight week stretch in 2019, 2020. I think that is very fair. Totally agree. We seem to have a common theme of that. We very rarely disagree on the podcast, which I don't know if that's good or bad. And we also have thought about that before too. I, Let's say it's good. Yeah, let's say I think it's good. it is. Or we're just completely insane, but I mean, people still listen and some people agree. So, um, bonus question from Danielle Which Chiefs player would tackle a fan on the field? So, in the Rams game on Monday night, um, the 49ers played too. It wasn't just the Rams game, but whatever. The, um, somebody, one would argue, did the, the Rams play? It was play? the 49ers game. Yeah. Okay. So, in the 49ers game on Monday, um, a fan ran on the field and Bobby Wagner made his biggest play of the year. Um, I'm not salty at all by laying out the fan. I think it's got to be Nick Bolton, right? Like Bolton yeah, would decapitate exactly somebody. Of. It would be him or like Justin Reed. Or like Leo Chanel. I could see Leo oh. Chanel. Carlotis is a little too nice. I think he wouldn't be furious at that point. Leo Chanel would literally kill somebody. Nick Bolton would just like seriously injure them, I think. How about this? underrated considering he's he's always just he seems like a bat out of hell on on the field isaiah pacheco i could see that yeah like he's gonna steal that he's gonna steal that man's job (laughs) yeah i could see him i could see juju doing like a uh like i'm trying to think of an analogy like he would be filming tackle he would be filming the tiktok for later that's true would Patrick? No, he wouldn't do it. No, nah, there's no, really no, a no. short list, man. Like I think it would be Nick Bolton, Leo, Leo. Chanel, um, Pacheco. I could see doing it because he runs fast too. Not that you know anyone on the Chiefs could not catch the fan. Um, that's about it, man. I think I, that I would think be the three. Colin Saunders, maybe. I I mean that'd be funny. It, and considering like consistent playing time and like notable names on the field. I think Nick Bolton definitely takes the cake. Yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he even knows. He wouldn't know that the streaker was not on the other team. I think he would exactly. just think they he were on, just, yeah. on the other team. Yep, just he's blind a, fury tackled yeah. the, the living hell out he of just, him. He just gets on the field and he turns it on. <laughs> um, let's keep it on. We saved the best for last. Um, of course, Mike Denny always brings the heat. He said, what is the best condiment to dip a fry in? Does the cut of the fry change that answer? I miss Willie Gay. Um, I don't. That's a tough one, dude. Like, Mike always makes me think. And obviously, I kind of think throughout the podcast. But, like, his questions, it's because you're going from football mode to, like, usually not football mode. Um, What do you think? I'm going to go. I think it's still ketchup. Um, really? but I'll put an asterisk on it. A few, um, hot ketchup is very good. The water burger, spicy, uh, ketchup. yeah, Bloody. sure. There's or any, any hot ketchup, sure. 
um, is good. I I don't usually like spicy things too, but like hot ketchup is usually decently mild, so it adds a bit of zest to it. So I like that. Also, if it's potato wedges, which are technically fried potatoes, those are better with ranch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I don't know, there's more potato, I guess. Uh-huh. You have I to still like, th- counteract that. I think it's still ketchup, though. I think ketchup's the goat for uh, a reason. I'm going to go ranch just because I'm a huge ranch dressing guy. I love ranch, um, too. So I'm a huge, huge, huge ranch guy. My mom used to always dip her fries in mayo, and I was like, that is borderline foul. But I tried I mean, it, and it was actually not terrible. I like mayo, so I would do that. Ketchup is good, obviously. Like, I think in terms of, like, the ketchup, I need to formulate my words wisely here. Fries and ketchup is, like, a more iconic duo, but that doesn't mean it's better. Like, hmm. Tom Brady and Randy Moss went 17-0 and or 16-0 and and got to the Super Bowl, but, like... Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes have actually won one and have had this sustained success. I don't know what comp I'm trying to make here, but ranch is a better condiment for that, I think. Now, hear me out. This is very specific and very telling on my part. Sure. Yard House has this garlic mm. aioli, and it's a malt vinegar version wow. of that that they have. Fancy. And it's, it's just, it's the best. Um, Actually, cane sauce would be up there, too. Ooh. It Bloody, is I, for sure. So like in terms of widely available condiments, whatever bottle of ranch is in your refrigerator, um, or Hidden Valley. Yes. <laughs> Hidden Valley, or I think mine's like whatever Walmart's brand is, light mm, great value. Like, yeah, exactly. Which quick aside, eating healthy kind of sucks because like a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff I can still make taste good. The ranch, I can tell there's such a big ass difference. And like I went yeah. out. I went to Guy's Deli on Thursday, actually, as we're recording this. I went at noon and picked up some pizza bones, which is their little uh, stuffed pizza stick type things. I had two ranches from them, and then I ran out, and I put a little bit of my like light crap on the plate, and it was such a massive difference. I was like, this epic sucks. Like So ranch, ketchup, cane sauce, or malt vinegar aioli from yard house preferably the downtown location but also the legends is fine very specific on the last one but i'll agree with those i yeah i would lean ketchup you lean ranch those are the only two though. both good both good yeah if tom brady this is another mike question of course if tom brady gets divorced does he play until he's 55 connor does he re- he won't play until he's 55 obviously but if giselle calls it quits why wouldn't he come back next year? He's still really good, I think. Yeah, he is. I I think he I think he'll uh man. I think he'll maybe do one more year. Um I still I still think he something about him, I guess it's maybe just the divorce. There's something about him's different this year. Yeah. Um we all saw that. Now we're seeing it apparently in the courts. Um but also Todd Bowles is the head coach now. Um, I don't know if he would want to come back for Todd Bowles. Uh, so that's the issue. Maybe what happens is the Miami, the rumor Miami thing that was apparently actually close to happening yeah. where it would become a part-time owner or a part owner of the Dolphins and also play. 
um, for the Dolphins. Maybe that happens. But with Tua playing well, it's like maybe that won't happen now. Um, sure. It's hard to say. Um, I think there's definitely a bigger chance he comes back, though, because, I mean, we all knew he was quitting because of family. And yeah. if he came back, it's like there's something amiss. Yeah. Before all of this crap happened, I was like, there's about a 3% chance he comes back. I was like, he really is going to be done this time. Now, though, if the divorce does happen and go through, and I don't know what the timing of that would be like or if it's actually going to happen or if the rumors are true or whatever, he's going to win MVP the year after it happens. Like, if they divorce during the offseason, he's going to throw, like, 70 touchdowns the next year, and it's going to be insane. Um, He... I almost feel bad for him. And like Brady's had a lot of good fortune, but like you can tell he does not feel great right now about where things are in his life. And I even made that comment that I thought he got like plastic surgery done during the off week because he's been known to do that throughout his career. It's indisputable. But I look at his like pictures exactly. in his twenties versus now yes. it's obvious something's so happened. So he's gotten stuff done. I, I kind of feel bad that I made that comment, but apparently he's been going through it, man. And he didn't look particularly great until this last week. And he wasn't like world beating or anything. He's still stat padded yeah. quite a bit. Um, but is he still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? I would take him this year over a lot of guys, maybe yeah. even all but four perhaps. Um, but does he play till 55? I don't no. think so. Does he play until 46, 47? that option would be on the table. And I think, like you said, the Dolphins thing would come into play. The Buccaneers situation would come into play um, and opening somewhere else in a, a good spot. Maybe the other it's rumor was 49ers, um, yeah. but they have Ooh, Lance, but he did get injured. So yeah. Brady on with that defense and those weapons and that offensive line, like when healthy dude, and he's mm-hmm. from there, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. He would wreck. Like uh, they would win fourteen games, I think. They're if they, if they had him this year, if they had him this year, yeah. For Could sure. you imagine if Jimmy like re-upped for another year and Trey Lance came back and then Brady was like, "Actually, <laughs> actually, I want to play for the 49ers. <laughs> yeah. So I, I there's a non-zero chance he comes back now. I'm not putting a number on it. I don't want to say like twenty percent, thirty percent, whatever. It's very early, but in spite of this, ironically the worse his life gets off the field. I think that just gives him more reason to keep playing as long as he's healthy. Um, so, and he has that announcing job waiting for whenever he does. So, yep. I'm not crying too many tears for Tom Brady right now. I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, that guys was a mailbag and it um, was, it was, it was our final mailbag for the foreseeable future. Um, you guys who listen already know, probably, if you saw it on Twitter or wherever, um, I'm joining Kansas City Sports Network. I'm very, very excited for that. Uh, humbled and grateful that BJ Kislin, the, the group over there, gave me an opportunity. With that said, with timing conflicts and just um, general workload stuff, I'm going to have to be stepping away from RTK um, three times a week, even in general, um, just for the sake of continuity. So that's going to be it for RTK for a while. Um, it was quick developing. It wasn't something that we premeditated. And this was a cutoff point halfway through week five of the 2022 season. Um, but that's kind of the nature of this stuff. Um, it had been a blast, man. It has mm-hmm. been 
a blast over the past when me and Tucker restarted this in man, it's been a couple years. I think it was like August of 2020. I yeah, want to say it was 2020. Yeah. Yeah. It was right into the season of 2020. We didn't know where it was going to go. We didn't know what was going to develop. Um, we didn't know how long it was going to last. And it was very um, continuous through him hosting it every weekday to him cutting back during the off season to him moving on to KCSN to him, handing it off to me, um, to me cutting it back to a few times a week during the off season to me doing it now. That was so a blast. The KCSN is responsible for the death of RTK is what you're saying. Yes. So if yes. you have any like qualms with this, you need to go hit up. Don't, don't and tweet Franklin too. Don't, don't um, tweet no, I, I'm joking of course, but like I said, man, it's, it's been very humbling to host this podcast and not only just have the outlet to talk more football, um, but talk football with friends and have mm. Mark and have Connor and have Zach um, have opposing publishers on to talk about different teams, do those previews. It's been very enlightening. It's been very humbling. Um, it's been fun. It, it, I regretfully am stepping away from it. With that said, we don't really know what's going to happen <clears throat> with RTK. Um, I think it's not the end of it. Something tells me that it will get revived in some capacity at one point by somebody. Um, it's not going to be me for the foreseeable future, obviously. And it won't um, be me. I'm not going to take up the Jordan mantle when Tucker left. Sure. Uh, I have a real life job. As I said earlier, I just got a new one, so I don't have the time nor the patience <laughs> that I think yeah. Jordan has for it. Yeah. So sometimes life hits, man, and it's, uh, it's unexpected and you just have to be along for the ride and see where it takes you. Luckily it's taken me to some really cool places so far. RTK and SI cheaps being one of them. I'm still going to be doing the, Arrowhead report inside the Royals stuff. I'm super excited again for what's next, but also man, super grateful to, to be having this platform and to have this space and have this podcast and be able to shape it the way I wanted to. Um, Josh Briscoe, the pod father, very accepting of whatever creative decisions we've made, um, whatever we want to do. He wants us to have fun. Tucker, very accepting and helpful in transitioning from him to me or from Josh to him um, and obviously doing it with my pals, man. And Connor's been here for the entire process. Um, extremely grateful to have shared the stage with you many a time. Um, I think we we've had some banger podcasts. There wasn't ever a time where I was like, man, I have to jump on my pod with Connor. Like this sucks. It was always something I look forward to every week. Um, and something I look forward to multiple times a week is, is chatting with everybody else. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. <clears throat> I promise I'm not crying. My voice is just kind of giving out. Um, thank you for tuning in and, and being so uh, supportive and chatting and interacting. Um, and Connor, man, thank you for coming on, not only today, but whenever you have in the past. It's uh, It's been a fun ride. It's been very fun. Um, I really, you covered it all, Jordan. You covered it all in a great send-off. Um, thanks to all for listening um i'll be on twitter jordan will be on twitter still so if you want our takes we'll be firing them off there but uh i think you covered it well otherwise yeah so that's it guys um this isn't goodbye forever it's just goodbye from rtk um i promise we're still out there we're still doing stuff the written content <clears throat> i fully encourage you god it, i'm really making myself sound like i'm crying guys you're gonna watch the video i promise i'm not um 
it is fully encourage you check out Connor's stuff on SI Chiefs, arrowheadreport.com or si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. Zach Eisen, Mark Van Sickle, um, Sam Hayes, when he had stuff, it's still out there. Marla Ferguson Jr., um, everybody, the opposing publishers, all that stuff is out there. Still going to have content coming, um, even at KCSN. I I shouldn't be fielding the go check out KCSN stuff on this podcast. Go do that. Um, follow everybody on Twitter. Connor's on Twitter at Connor with an E underscore DKC. Zach Eisen 21. Mark the Overseer. I'm at footnoted. That's F-O-O-T-E noted. Um, I, I really, again, I don't think this is it for RTK. Um, just indefinitely it is till something happens down the road. I do think it'll be back at some point with somebody. Um, but until then, guys, take care, stay safe, and uh, somebody will be talking to you soon. Thanks for listening, Mom. <laughs> the Roughing the Kicker Chiefs podcast is a Kansas City Chiefs podcast hosted and produced by Jordan Foote in association with ArrowheadReport.com and almost entirely LLC. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts or by going to smarturl.it slash rtkshow. For more Kansas City Chiefs coverage, go to Sports Illustrated's home through the Kansas City Chiefs, arrowheadreport.com.